Happy Holidays. It's Upworthy Weekly's top stories of 2022. Countdown, part one. Here are your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. I just want to keep the music going. It's so festive. I love it. I love how holiday spiritish we are. Yeah. Anyway, and uh, also our announcer, Marley, uh, getting married. <gasps> Congratulations. I feel like just yesterday she was graduating or something. I know. And she's marrying a guy I knew a long time who's a, a friend of mine, Brian. So uh, congratulations to them. Most importantly, congratulations to all of you out there for making it through another year as we come down on this holiday season. Congratulations to you, Allison Rosen, for making it through another year. Of you? Yes, for being able to tolerate me. (laughs) And congratulations to you for same. For same. Very good. For same. Yeah, ditto. Right back at you. Couldn't even get it all out. Wouldn't give me that. I mean, fine. Congratulations for putting up with me for another year. It's not that hard. I don't think it's that hard. Well, my name is Todd Perry. Some some think it's a gift to work with me. My name is Todd Perry, your uh, staff writer here at Upworthy, and with me is Allison Rosen from the podcast Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. And on today's show and next week's show, we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, We did this last year, and I think it was our most popular show of the year. Uh, We're going to go over the top, the, the most popular stories of the entire year. Uh, at Upworthy. So these are the ones that our audience loved the most hearing about. So hopefully you, the podcast listening audience, uh, will dig them as well. Now, we may have a couple repeats of stories we've already gone over, but that's okay, because they're stories that you absolutely love. That's right. That's right. It's like we're playing the hits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but but before we get into that, there was just one thing I had to mention at the top of the show, and I don't know, if, Allison, if you've ever done anything like this, but my my I had a death in the family this week, so my head's a little, you know, messed up. Yeah. And so on Wednesday it happened, and I was like on the phone with family all day, and I was on the phone with my sister, and she called me, and I was in the supermarket. Because I was, I took the day off work, and I was like, I'm just gonna do chores all day, because you know that c- helps you get your your mind off stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm in, I'm in the Stater Brothers getting some sausage for uh, the, my famous, my famous broccoli sausage. Everybody, my, pasta, broccoli sausage. I I had heard of that before I'd heard of you. Yeah. They said this guy in Long Beach, he makes a mean broccoli po- pasta sausage. My <laughs> sausage pasta. Broccoli sausage penne. You know. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, it's known in three counties. Yeah, it's an aphrodisiac, actually. It's. <laughs> yeah, be warned, people. Maybe someday you'll give them the recipe if you trust them. Uh well, you know, it's a trade secret. To, but yeah, so sometimes it'll be like you know, couples who are desperate in need of conceiving mm. come to me, right? And they say, "We need your broccoli <laughs> sausage penne." <laughs> and so anyway. I was in line getting the the hot Italian sausage that I put in there, and the guy who was the the butcher was you know on the other side of the counter and he's measuring it out and weighing it and everything. And uh, now, mind you, my head is my head is not right, you know. And so, and this guy, he was like twenty eight, and he had I guess what they call the Edgar haircut. Anybody? 
Oh, I don't even know this haircut. Yeah, it's if you follow Foo's Gone Wild on Instagram, the greatest Instagram page, they always talk about it. But it's basically like people they they cut the hair right at the hairline, but they have their oh, hair kind of thick, so it's like moppy, but like chopped off. Mm. Sounds amazing. Yeah, sounds amazing. It's, it's a good look if you're into that. If so, foos like fools or like foo fighters? Oh, yeah, like fools, like F O O S. Okay. Foos gone wild. Got it. This doesn't feel very upworthy, but carry on. Mm. But it's it's called the uh, Edgar Do. But anyway. So the guy gives me the sausage, and there's a bunch of people around because it's like holiday week, and he hands me the sausage, and he goes, here you go, sir, and I said, thanks, I love you. (laughs) And and he was taken aback, and everybody (laughs) around me, like, beautiful, they like chuckled, like it was all these strangers, (laughs) like it was just no one, no one was prepared, no one knew that was coming, you know? Oh, you sounds like you didn't. I didn't either, and so then I was like, oh, oh my God. And then, like, you know, why should I apologize for telling someone I love them, you know? Yeah. I've got that kind of love for the world, you know? I'm the king of good news, you know? This is the most upworthy. It went from being a very non-upworthy story because you were talking about foos and death, and then all of a sudden you're spreading love to a butcher. Mm Mm-hmm. So, despite his hair, despi- I love yeah. it, Todd. So uh, he he was kind of taken aback, <laughs> and you know, and I said, "Oh, gee, oh, so sorry." And everybody was kind of awkward around me, and I got ready to turn away from my cart you know, with my cart, like sheepishly, but, uh-huh. but with my sausage. And I stopped, and I pointed to him, and I said, "But I do love you. You know that, right?" <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love this story so much. And then all the people in line were like, kind of like, "Oh." Oh, that's so sweet, and they're just kind of like laughing or whatever. And then I, uh, I slunk off with my sausage, and I thought, well, you know, I'm I'm allowed that, I'm allowed that mm-hmm. today. Yeah, I mean, it could have been much worse. You could have like cursed someone out. Some people who are grieving do that. If 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 the worst thing you do is say I love you to the man who gives you sausage, I feel like you're in great shape. <laughs> that's right. So you know, so that that was it. But I, now I just I feel like it's going to be kind of weird uh, when I go back and I need to like order more sausage from Edgar. Oh yeah, you got to go to a different state of brothers now, right? Yeah, yeah. I gotta. I don't know. I gotta drive to. Carson or something, but <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, the problem is going to be I'm going to see him again. But you know, he probably like after all that went down, he went back to the guys he was working with. He's like, dude, this this customer said I love you. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so maybe he needed that that day. You, maybe he feels it's a thankless job. I don't know. Maybe something was speaking through me. Yes, I love it. You're an angel. So let's count down from number 10 through through number 6, and then next week we're going to do 5 through 1. Oh, I see. You're being the count from Sesame Street. Yeah, yeah. I totally got it. Okay. It's good. All right, all right, so... The 10th, coming in at number 10, 10th most popular story of the year, teachers are sharing their students' wildest excuses that actually turned out to be true. So you, your wife's a teacher. You must hear all the time about the crazy excuses that students come up with for why they don't turn in their homework, why they're late. I think anyone who works in a school 
uh, begins to become really skeptical of all the excuses people have for why they're, like I said, not turning in their homework or why they're late, etc. Because they're pretty creative with their excuses. So on Reddit, though, someone wanted to know, what are the wildest excuses you've heard that turned out to be true? And here are some of uh, our and your favorite. Uh, student came in and said they were late because the school bus, school bus, school bus blew up. School bus blew up. Um, and uh, about 20 students were late, actually. Uh, and, and they were all saying this. And the teachers were like, there's just no way. And then an administrator pointed to her screen where she had the news story pulled up. Turned out. There was a school bus that had blown up. They had, thankfully, they were all okay. Uh, and then on the late slip, what they ended up writing was "school bus blew up." Oh, <laughs> so it was it yeah. was legal. It was legal, and it was right. Uh, and then here's another one: uh, a student was pulled over because an off he was riding his bike. An officer thought he was riding drunk because he was swerving on his bike, uh, but it turned out he was just trying to avoid slugs. <laughs> it's thoughtful, right? I mean, it doesn't reach the level of saying I love you to the man giving you sausage, but it's still nice. Yeah. Um, in college, a guy came in late uh, and he had an eye patch on and he had medical paperwork. It turned out a chicken had pecked his eye. Oh. I don't think pecked it. Yeah, we don't need to worry about his eye being pecked out, but he had been pecked in the eye by a chicken. This is not the only chicken story in this collection. It's the only one I selected because there's just too many. And then another one that I think is <sighs> begs for like, um, a true crime podcast, a, a student came in and said they had been abducted. Oh. That's why they were late. It turned out they had been abducted. Um, some street roughs, some ruffians. Oh, is roughs short for ruffians or is that just a coincidence? Street roughs? Have you not heard that? I heard like rough somebody up. Street roughs. Oh, am I thinking of street toughs? Someone write in. Upworthy at... Upworthy Weekly? No, Upworthy. What, what's our email address? Upworthy Weekly at Upworthy.com. I was so close. I know. Um, write in and let us know if you've ever heard someone say street roughs or if I just made that up. I, I, now, I now I'm beginning to question it. But anyway, some bad dudes. Mm. They uh, threw him in the back of the minivan he uses to uh, deliver papers in the morning and then drove him around while they did some kind of robbery. And then I guess I don't all the details were not here, but apparently he legit was abducted. If I were abducted, the first place I would go afterwards is not school. Yeah. No offense to school, but I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, maybe go to the police. There's a whole bunch of different right. things I'd do rather than. Yeah. You know, I just think. think I'm going to be late for algebra. Yeah. 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 I think you, you could take a day off after being abducted. At first, when right. you said abducted, I thought it was by aliens. And then I thought. Oh, and it turned yeah. out to be true. Mm-hmm. We're breaking news, guys. Yeah. Sometimes you are visited in the middle of the night by extraterrestrials, and they abduct you, and then they release you into geometry class. And give you sausage. Give you sausage. Yeah. I love them. Yeah. There you go. So, okay. Wow. That's, uh, I was, I was wondering here. Let's see here. I was thinking also the same thing about police, about how police mm -hmm. probably hear a bunch of excuses all the time. Oh, yes. And, uh, and, and traffic, tr uh, traffic police especially too, for reasons people are speeding or whatever. Yeah, I was, I, I remember before I used to have a roommate who had diabetes, 
And mm-hmm. so he used to leave his syringes in my glove compartment. Like we go out somewhere and he would, it was before they had those like cool injector things where you get your insulin. Right. It was like, yeah. he had to sit and inject himself with a hypodermic needle. So he would leave them in my glove compartment. So I got pulled over on the 405 one day and the cops pull me over and I go to get my license and registration and I open my glove compartment and there's a whole bunch of hypodermic needles. <laughs> and so the the police officer was like, okay, could you please get out of the car? And I was like, what? And like, he's like, all the drug paraphernalia in your car? And I was like, oh, no, 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 no really? Is my roommate a diabetic? And he was like... Yeah, that sounds like a total excuse. Yeah. Uh-huh, Mr. Perry. And so then what he did was, though, how I made cool was he asked me to pull up my shirt and show me my uh, show my arms. And I had no track marks at the time. Mm. So at the time, <laughs> so I was totally fine. And I, I got off and that but that was really weird for like 10 minutes. I was like, I want to kill my roommate. I want to kill him yeah. so bad. Right. I mean, a couple questions or just a question, a comment. This is grim, but like there's other places that you you could be a drug user besides there's other places you can inject besides your arms. Yeah, but I think that's where that's the first choice. And then once that Got that it. goes oh. bad, then you're like, ah, neck or, you know, yes. you, toes or whatever. Right. But I think you start I there. See. I think that's where that's for that beginners. Right. It's the the learning curve is the least probably. Um, and then the other thing is, yes, uh, I have a friend who is a juvenile diabetic as well. I, and we used to hang, we became friends when I was in high school. And I remember going to like, it wasn't CVS, but like a CVS type, you know, a drugstore and him just going up to the pharmacy and, and saying, could I get, you know, a pack of needles or whatever. Um, and I had no idea you could, ju- I, I forget if he had to show, I don't even think he had to show something. Now maybe you do have to show something. But, um, and then also every time, you know, we'd be hanging out and he would just lift up, his, he would just object, object, uh, inject into his abdomen. And I always, the first time I saw it, my eyes got really wide because I didn't know that he was diabetic. And I was like, what? He's just doing drugs right in front of everyone. He's <laughs> being so cash about it. I know. Yeah. It seemed very hardcore. Mine! <laughs> Five-year-old gave his mom advice for handling nerves. It was both adorable and spot on. This was from like February, I believe. And uh, any parent knows that kids can be surprisingly astute little philosophers at the most unexpected times. Case in point, this five-year-old who gave his mom some sage advice about handling her nerves. Now, I think I remember we did this one, but this is a little reversey where I think you did this story. Mm. And now, well, uh, we're now, now, I get to now we're doing my take. See what it's, yeah, okay. This is a real he said, she said. Yeah, it's like, it's like Rochamon or whatever. Um, yes. Kurosawa's Roshamon or Tyler Perry's Roshamon? Is there Tyler Perry's Roshamon? No. I w- no. <laughs> I want to see that. <laughs> Medi- is it Kurosawa or did I just make that up? It is Kurosawa's Roshamon. Okay. Uh, for those who haven't seen Roshamon, it's a movie about there was like a crime where, uh, this, where a samurai is murdered and they tell the story from f- like four different angles of the different participants. And so then you could see how in certain scenarios people remember different things. Mm-hmm. So what is justice? And for people who haven't seen He Said, She Said, it's a rom-com with Kevin Bacon and Elizabeth Perkins. And we also find out how people remember things in different ways. <laughs> yeah. They're very similar. <laughs> 
But if you're going to start with Kurosawa for anybody there, start with uh, Yojimbo. It's what they base the good, the bad, or um, not the good, the bad, uh, Fistful of Dollars on. Anyway. I didn't know that. Yeah. When talking about our agendas for the day, I told my five-year-old, who I was a little nervous, and he said, Mama, I'm nervous all the time. I know what to do. So friends, here's the advice he gave me on the drive to school. Number one, you got to say your affirmations in your mouth and in your heart. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, I mean, so you could just you could just say stuff, right? But if it's in your heart, right? Then it, yeah, means something. It's like Dr. Carl Totten from the What's This Dow All About podcast I did used to always say, "Lead with the heart, not the head." I love that. And you will, and it will totally change your perspective at any moment about anything. That's what you did at Stater Brothers. That, that's right. There was absolutely no... I was all heart that day. All heart. <laughs> and the affirmations he said is, I am brave of this meeting. I am loved. <laughs> I smell good. <laughs> and you can say this five, three, or ten times until you know it. And the smell good thing, it is is—it is confidence when you're like, you know what? I, yeah. I'm not funky right now. Oh, great. Yeah. So another thing it says that uh, you got to walk big like Dolly on a dinosaur because you got it. <laughs> I love this. This is so sweet. You know, you ever think like you got to pump yourself up sometimes? Like yeah. you ever do that? Like you're like, oh man, I'm so, maybe this is me. Like, oh man, I'm so slouchy and beat down. Like if I, if I kind of get big, mm-hmm. I'm like, whoa, I'm like really, you know, above six yeah. feet. I'm like, you know, I'm like. The first time I encountered that in seventh grade, there were a group of girls who were very mean. There was a group of very mean girls. And for some reason, I was walking into an ice skating rink and I was concerned that the mean girls were going to be there. I think I had an, a lesson or something. I was concerned they were going to be there. And my mom's friend, Mimi, who is Sage, she was with us and she said, stand up straight, shoulders back, chin up. Huh? And it totally like it changed my feeling about it. Yeah. So be big. Uh, Walk big. Next thing is uh, never put a skunk on a bus. Mm. Fair. Yep. Uh, Next is think about the donuts of your day. Even if you cry a little, you can think about potato chips. (laughs) I love that. I, I think about that sometimes. Like I'll be working or whatever and I'll be stressed and I'll be like, you know what? At five o'clock... Daddy's going to have himself a voodoo ranger, and everything's going to be okay. You know? What's in a voodoo ranger? A beer. Oh, is that a kind of beer? Uh-huh. Okay, it sounded like a mixed drink. Um, yes, the donuts of your day. I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, next is, uh, you got to take a deep breath, and you got to do it again. So it's pretty vital to staying alive, yeah. And finally, even if it's a yucky day, you can get a hug. It's going to make me cry. This is so sweet. I love this so much. Yeah, so it's great. And, and like, who taught this kid? Like, this kid must be... That's what I was wondering, yeah. Must be going to some kind of Montessori school, you know? Like... Is that what they teach there? I get... Well, my kid went to Montessori school, and he came back saying some real hippie stuff sometimes. So that that was pretty cool. He was <laughs> like, I need to find my quiet space. And he was like three and a half. Mm. And I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah. <laughs> So that's pretty cool. I do love that. Eight. Ah, 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 ah,
Jennifer Garner shows how a random act of kindness begins with a simple Ziploc bag. Of all the ones that we're doing, I think this one might uh, be the one that my I, I'm, I've been thinking the most about. Um, and if you take a Ziploc bag and you put just a few essential items in it and then keep it in your car, when you pass someone who is unhoused, um, you, you can give it to them. You know, if, 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 you, if you're asked for money or you're, someone asks you to help them and you don't know what to do, just this Ziploc bag, and I'll tell you what some of the items are because Jennifer Garner told all of us, um, it's just like a really kind easy, simple way to make a big difference for someone who is in need of shelter. So uh, the things that people who don't have homes are, are you watching? I'm dancing around. I, I Homeless is not the right term anymore, is it? I think it's unhoused. That's why I, that's why I'm like, I'm hedging what I'm saying. Or do we say homeless? According to Upworthy's editorial standards, homeless is still uh, acceptable. Okay. And, so the items, sorry, go ahead. I wrote an article one time um, and I used it in a headline and I got a really angry email from like a homeless advocate saying, mm-hmm. I should say people experiencing homelessness. And I was like, uh, I have 90 characters in a headline. I, <laughs> yeah. I, can't, I can't get into that I mean, level it, of detail. I can, I can explain that right. later, but I can't in the headline. Mm-hmm. And I wrote right, a positive right. article. It wasn't like I was like... Don't you dislike the homeless? No, it was like a positive yeah. how to help the homeless kind of article, and the woman got mad at me. Right. It, I had the same thing where it was something about people who had been to prison, and it was like mm-hmm. they wanted to say people who had experienced incarceration. Great. I'm fine with that, but not in the headline. In the headline. Yeah. yeah you're trying to get attention and communicate. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, thick socks, toothbrush. Toothpaste, shampoo, conditioner. These are you. You don't have to put all these things in, but these are some things that you can put in. Um, hand sanitizer, uh, feminine products, things like this, like grooming stuff. Um, uh, you could put in um, five, ten, twenty, twenty-five dollars, or if you don't feel like giving cash, you could put in like a gift card to a, a restaurant nearby. Um, the article was pointing out that things like cheap baked goods or cheap carbohydrates, things like that, like a bagel or something like that. Most homeless people are able to get that themselves. It's a hot meal that they have trouble getting. So if you can, you know, get them a gift card to a place where they could get a hot meal, that would make a difference. Or or just do the socks and the toothbrush and the, you know, hand sanitizer, that stuff. But anyway, I love this idea of just a, a quart size Ziploc bag filled with items that would make a huge difference to someone. And then you could you have that in your car right there. Yeah, I, you know, I could see why this article was really popular because I think a lot of people, they feel bad or they want to do something to help, but they're really not sure what's the appropriate thing because, you know, there's right. always, there's a whole bunch of stigmas surrounding people who are un, unhoused. And sometimes people don't feel comfortable giving money or maybe they don't have money or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is I think this was so popular because it was like, here is a great solution to that. And just to make yourself right. prepared, you know, put it in your car so that when you come across someone who's maybe on a street corner asking for money or whatever, um, that you could do that. I also think it was a popular story because of Jennifer Garner's dimples. I mean, I, look, I'm not going to disagree with that. that. There's no disagreeing with those dimps. Those are 
billion dollar dimples she has. They're they're wonderful. Like the good Lord put them right in the cheeks, like right in the right yeah. spot, and mm-hmm. like a weird. She's total. She's totally dimply correct. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, are you a big Jennifer Garner fan? No, I. You know, as time has gone on, I think like should my wife being in be in some uh, okay. unfortunate incident, you know, where she presses on, uh, you know, who would I potentially go out with? And I was like, oh, I think I'd go out with Jennifer Garner. I think we'd get on. But good news for her. Yeah, well, she's a big Upworthy <laughs> fan. She, like, likes Upworthy stuff yeah. all the time. She's a big... Um, if she's listening, we love your dimples and we love your advice, yeah. Jennifer Garner. And Jennifer Garner might want to know that I used to work in Venice Beach uh, in Los Angeles. And there, there's a... It's where kind of, you know, there's a big homeless problem in, in the LA area. And yeah. that's where kind of, like, ground zero of it. And so then I used to buy, like, a big, like, Costco thing of granola bars and keep it in my car. So if I saw somebody... That was another thing to... Yeah. Sorry. That was another thing to put in the bag. Put a couple granola bars in the bag. Yeah. Okay. So then I just, like, you know, out the window, hey, hey, buddy, you know, here's what's going on. So, you know... To be fully honest, and it's, I, it's like shameful putting words to this, but the re- I think the reason that this story spoke so much to me is because I am that person. And I'm going to admit this with the idea that I think other people listening also probably feel this way. But go ahead and judge me if you yeah. want. When I'm driving and it's a busy street and there's a person standing there walking from car to car with a piece of cardboard, you know, saying that they've fallen on hard times, anything to help. I just stare straight ahead because I don't want to engage and I get nervous and I don't know what to do and I feel uncomfortable with a person like roaming near my car. And this story made me think how, even though I think that, you know, it's, it's under, I'm a, a woman alone in a car, it's understandable that I would feel a little bit like nervous about engaging with a stranger. At the same time, look how I've cut off my humanity. Mm-hmm. Just because I, it's it's like a, what I don't—it's a have and a hat and have not kind of mentality, and I don't love having my defenses up that much that I'm like, don't make eye contact with this person, you know. Yes, I uh, yeah, I understand why you would feel uncomfortable, but right. So it's like you find the third way is what is what is the solution to that? And Jennifer right. Garner is kind of bridging the gap there. Here, here, look, you've yeah. got this hanging out the window. Thank you very much. And you could do right. something that is appropriate, that is not inappropriate at all. Right. You know. I love it. Perfect. Seven. <laughs> uh, people are amazing that the count was available for this voiceover. Yeah, the problem is going to be when people listen to the show in the future, and maybe he's not going to be available. Like, mm, yes. Set the bar high. Like we were talking about in a previous episode how, you know, sometimes people want to listen to this podcast and it's like, you know, midnight and we have to get up and we have to do the show for them. Yes. Every time you listen to it, we are performing it live in your earbuds. And so now the count is part of the show on this episode. Yeah. And the, the count, the count is not cheap. Like the count doesn't wake up for less yeah. than 20K, you know? Yes. <laughs> right. Ah, ah, ah. Uh, people are sharing the parenting trends that need to end now. And I remember, I do believe we spoke about this previously, but there was some great stuff in here uh, about, I think this was popular because there's a, I, I will say this, and I'm actually less this way after having kids. Yeah. 
less judgy about other parents. I think when I didn't have kids, I was more judgy of parents, like, oh, my God, like, blah, 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 blah. Because you don't realize how much you rely on these things that are highly annoying to other people until you have them. Yes. And you don't realize how hard it is to be a perfect parent. Yeah. So uh, people are sharing the parenting trends that need to end. And I think that's why it resonated with people because either everybody's got an opinion on parenting, you know, and a strong one. Amen. Yeah. And the first one was, and I like this, is you're not special. Perpetrating the myth that one's children are somehow special is a bad parenting trend. With about 97% of certainty, they are not. <laughs> teaching them that they are just, you know, teaching them that they are just sets them up for crushing disappointment down the road. It's far better to raise kids that believe that they are ordinary people with a few gifts, but also some flaws and weaknesses. And obviously, I think you don't want to say, oh, you're not special. You're just, you know... You're just another lemming. But I think I think the wisdom in this is saying you're somebody with a few gifts. And now you say this is you have your choice, kid. You can either nurture these gifts and turn them into true talents, which takes a lot of work, or you you neglect them and then you will end up having to live a uh, very normal life, right? Yeah. Not that a normal life is bad. But you have the ability to become special if you take that seed that is inside of you. I guess that's what I'm mm -hmm. saying. I think maybe that's right. the more appropriate way versus, oh, my God, you're special. You're Mr. Perfection. And then they get into the real world and they realize nobody cares about them. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. It's better to give them a healthy sense of <clears throat> self and sense of their relationship in the world. Yeah. And it's like, I think that. You know, as a kid growing up or whatever, it was just kind of the way you raise kids. Oh, you're so special, blah, 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 blah. And then in the real world, that's not the way people treated you. And you had to realize you had to really develop some kind of real talents in this world uh, for people to realize or, you know, great relationship skills, you know, for people to want to be with you or whatever that it, yeah. life takes work. You're not just you didn't just come out perfect, you know, um, yeah. for at least living in a that's world so where true. you deal with other people, you know. Well, also, I think there's the th just to now. <clears throat> now we're going to sound like a couple boomers, which we're not. <laughs> we're Gen X. Um, I do think there is a generation of people who don't want to take entry level jobs. They feel like they should go straight into something. You know, they don't want to do grunt work. They don't want to do something non-special. And it's like, that's how you get those special jobs, though. Right. Oftentimes. Right. Yeah. Um, you work your way up. Exactly. That's what you have to do. And people don't realize you know, just how competitive the world is. There's only so many good yeah. special slots in this world. And I always like, and as I've gotten older, I realize this completely. I see it in spades, you know. Uh, but when I was 20, uh, obviously I had no concept, right? But then th the more right. you do things, it was like, I always like the idea. It was like uh, Steve Martin said, you have to be so good that you're undeniable. Yes. At what you do, and then that way you have a much better chance of making your own way in life versus uh, sneaking by, you know? Right, right. And uh, another parenting thing people don't like is not setting clear boundaries. You're the adult, not the kid. Children benefit so much from clear rules and consequences. And that is something I learned when I was, like, working at the Y, 
when I was like a camp counselor. You know, kids would walk all over me because I'd be too nice. And mm-hmm. then what? And so then what I realized the simple thing is, I think with, with parenting, the one simple thing is you always follow through. And if you always follow through, the kid will always, for ninety percent of the time, uh, listen to you. Like yeah. Uh, and my wife's obviously very good at all that stuff because she's a school teacher. So she's she's got that done. But I always made sure the point of like, if I ever go, if I ever do the countdown with my son, yes. that it's always, it's going to be his butt if I get to three, you know, mm-hmm. every single time. And so, and he, he always responds. If I have to go to the count, which I don't want to do, I don't want to be that parent, but I've got one, then done. He does it right, yeah. and and that's I think just just from the basic follow through, right? Um, the other parenting thing that people don't like is the bulldozer parent, and that's the parent who removes all obstacles and challenges from a child's life, so they don't have to learn about pre- perseverance, problem solving, or they don't make mistakes that they learn from, and they're just inoculated against any lesson in life, and yeah. I kind of had that. It was like a, when I was coaching sports at one point in my life. Don't want to be specific, but there was a kid that seemed like super anxiety written and like afraid of everything. Also had a parent that was like by his side through every little thing and fighting his battles for him. And it was like, no wonder he's he's afraid of everything because he doesn't know how to do it. You know? Right. He's yeah. Doesn't have experience. Yeah. So I thought that was uh, pretty pretty true and then obviously the the parent wants to do what's right they think that's what's right but in the end you end up raising a kid that gets out yeah, in the world and can't do anything it's tough i mean i think all these things to people who don't have kids listening it probably seems obvious but once you're there with your kid trying to negotiate or trying to navigate each circumstance where like i remember elliot was in this class it was this drama class after school when he was in preschool and he told me that he didn't want to go he suddenly didn't want to go anymore and he really enjoyed it previously and this, he was like 4 um he's 5 now this is a world ago uh and the reason he didn't want to go anymore is because they the kids had to pick up ch- little little kid chairs and take them and put them on stage mm-hmm. And it was too heavy for him, he said. And so I was like, should I tell, should I mention this to the teacher or not? He's only four. And it's such a small thing. But the same, you know, I, and I didn't, I didn't. And then ultimately I did end up like a couple of weeks later, I did mention it to her. Um, and she still had him lift the chair. She sent me a video of him lifting the chair and he was totally fine. Yeah. But it's like, I, I, I don't know. You know, do, do I foster his assertiveness at age four or do i i have no idea it's hard to figure these things out right and it's different for every kid every kid's in a different spot right gotta meet him where they are six well here's a story for all of our potentially lovelorn listeners a new study found this flirting strategy to be the most effective and it is laughing at the other person's jokes. Uh, everyone says they want someone who's funny, oftentimes. And I think as the sage writer who penned this story. Mm. Was it Todd Perry? Was it? You know what? The, I think it was. And you know the tell? The tell was it started with uh, talking about Jessica Rabbit 
dating <laughs> Bob Hoskins. Um, no, no, and Roger like, Rabbit. How, Roger Rabbit. A, a Roger Rabbit. Okay. Uh, but wondering, like, how does a <clears throat> voluptuous Jessica Rabbit end up with a, you know, just average Roger Rabbit? And it's because he's hilarious. Yeah. So if you want to get your, and, and the reason that's a tell is because I know that you have a thing for Jessica Rabbit, like most red-blooded humans. Yes. You know. Yes. Um, and tunes. But so anyway, uh, this was a study of a number of people. Um, unfortunately, just look, looked at heterosexual couples, but uh, something that was interesting. So being funny works best for men who are looking for long-term relationships okay. and being funny is like the least effective for women who are looking for a one night stand. If you're looking for a one night stand availability is, is the thing that people are looking for. Um, mm. But in terms of like long-term relationships, humor is effective regardless of looks. Uh, and yeah, just laughing at the other person Laughing at the other person's jokes, being receptive to their humor is a flirting strategy that works for everyone, regardless of looks. So get out there and laugh it up, people. Yeah, I, you know, I always say that like six pack abs are for people who can't tell jokes, you know? Mm. Right? That's, I agree with that. I always say it. I came up with that 10 minutes ago, but I always. <laughs> I've heard it so many times in the last 10 minutes, though. Yeah. And, you know, it's like. I would think that if I was going to be in a long-term relationship with somebody, they'd have to have a decent sense of humor. You know, that would be weird if they were kind of humorless, unless it was like, you know, Zoe Kravitz or something. I think, you know, there would have to be some kind of sense of humor involved. Um, I, I, think th I think this story was popular because obviously everybody wants to know the foolproof way to attract right. uh, the, the people that they're into. And it's nice to know that no looks isn't everything, and um, mm -hmm. definitely having some kind of charm and personality goes a very long way in in the world. And uh, yeah. so that's a that's a great thing to know. And so you know, here, here's the deal: you can either work out in the gym or work out in the comedy gym. You know, start working on your mm. chops. Get yourself some, uh, you know, Richard Pryor live on the Sunset Strip in '82. Right. Sit down, watch that. You know, and. Um, and watch the people just flock to you. But, you know, I've known some people that weren't traditionally as, like, physically attractive as others, but they had a great sense of humor, and women just loved them, you know? Like, oh, yeah. flocked them, and, you know, it goes, it goes a very long way. So that's a mm. good thing. I agree. Now, here's one more last thing I was thinking. Is when are we going to come for the pretty people? Because there's a they've had uh, a good run. Yeah, time to wrap it up. Well, it's kind of like you know, in the, this day and age, people are becoming very conscious of the different prejudices in the world mm -hmm. and the different ways that different types of people get benefits over others. And then I was thinking, wait, the big one where you know, and lots of those privileges are afforded based on genetics, right? Totally, your, your race, your ethnicity, whatever. But good-looking people do way better in every sorts of category. And lots yeah. of times it's not really their choice. Like, you know, no matter how hard some guy hits the gym, he's not going to look like Rob Lowe, right? Like, you get, right. you, it's like perfect in some way, right? Like, um, so I'm just saying at what point are they going to be, you know, 
people are going to start coming after them. Like, oh, no, you can, you can only have so many good-looking people in an office. Yes. We need some more uggos in here. Bring you back know? quotas. Yeah. Affirmative action for uggos. Right. <laughs> for, no, not uggos. Affirmative action for not the elite people who look like models. Just affirmative action for average-looking people. And then... in But in the world of, like, fashion... And editorial or whatever these things mean. Everything across the board. And then super affirmative action for uggos. So average people, mild affirmative yes. action. Yes. Super Ooh, affirmative action for uggos. Like if you have a yeah. good looking CEO, I'm not buying your product. Right. Let's boycott all the pretty people things. Yeah. Unless you find Todd and me pretty, in which case, never mind. Never mind. Oh no! I got this job as a go affirmative action. I was there was a good looking guy. There's too many good looking people at Upworthy with jobs. So, yeah, you know you're only in this room because you're ugly. That's what they said. Right. <laughs> Upworthy Weekly was produced by Todd Perry. Follow Upworthy on all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen. And Todd at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Questions, comments, or to tell us about your amazing week, email us at UpworthyWeekly at Upworthy.com. I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week. Right, like, what do you have for me today, Satan? <laughs>